Well, our scripture text today comes from the gospel according to St. Matthew. Remember, the Holy Bible is God's infallible and inerrant word. And it comes to us from, I want to start with verse 37. Now, to set the context of this, Jesus is, is warning his disciples and hence the church about the events of the last days. And, uh, and, uh, and what, what we need to realize is our, our mission. And, you know, friends, as I've never been one of these last days kind of preachers, but as I look at the world today, um, I just have to say I think his coming is soon. I think it's, if you read the Bible. Now, why would you say that, Pastor? I said, well, uh, things are getting worse and worse. I, I, I can't even pick up the paper or turn on the news on the computer or television and just, just see heartbreaking things. All these missing children, you know, it's heartbreaking. And, uh, and uh, uh, my son and oldest son was telling me last night about the serious problem of, of, uh, of human abduction that's going on in their area around Chattanooga where women are in, and, and little children are being snatched out of the parking lots. There's a couple of stores that it is so bad that they have an employee that walks every woman who's by herself to her car. And that's just getting everywhere. You know, it just breaks your heart to see that. But, but Jesus said, you know, the Bible tells us when the end of time gets closer, things are going to get worse. But we don't need to be discouraged because we have a great Savior who's going to hold us. But, but Jesus is, is trying to to impress upon his disciples the importance of, of, of their work today. Now, you might say, well, why would you say that? Well, he's talking about, he's talking about uh, uh, the difficult days that are coming, but, but, uh, but the gospel call needs to go out. So we begin in verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. He's talking about his return. And not even the angels of heaven, but my father... Only hold, hold that verse in in your mind. My father used it on me one day. But as the days of Noah were were, so also will be the coming of man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marriage, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. When then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made rule over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant when his master comes will find him so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master's delaying is coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at the hour that he is not aware of, and I will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. 
and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a heavy text. That is a heavy text. But it describes true reality. You know, um, they often tease Brian about trying to get out of work, and he never does that. He works like a dog at home. I know he does. Right, Renee? <laughs> you never have to ask him. But, 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 you know, I was a past master at what they call in the service goal-breaking. Do you, you guys remember, you guys remember that term? And, and, uh, and I was always looking for a way to, to get out of something, you know, that I didn't want to do. Like in high school, I had this one teacher. All I had to ask him about was the Marine Corps, and he was off topic. He loved the Marines. And I remember one day Dad and I were out cleaning the stream that ran by our house. And, and, you know, in the mountains when it rains a lot, those streams, if they can't run down the mountain, they run in your yard and in your house. And so uh, he had me out there with a, with a 20-pound sledgehammer breaking up big rocks. And uh, he was doing some stuff too. And, but, you know, it was, it, was, it was in the summer and it was dry and I was hot and and so I said, you know, I, I got to get him off topic about these rocks. It, he's killing me. So I said to him, I said, Dad, when do you think the Lord's coming back? Now, my dad was uh, the opposite of what Machiavelli said a prince should be. You know, Machiavelli, the political writer of the Italian, said that a prince should be an iron fist inside a velvet glove. My dad was the opposite. He was an iron fist, but then, uh, but inside was a velvet hand. But, but nonetheless, he was always to the point, very brief, and he said to me, this, citing verse 36 that I just read, Jesus, Son, why would you presume to ask me? The Lord himself said that no one knew his return, so why would you think I would? I knew it wasn't going to go well. So he said to me, he says, but in a practical sense, son, you need to remember this. I hope you'll hear this because it is so true. He says, in a practical sense, son, the Lord comes back for somebody every second. And your big concern, young man, if, if the next second is yours. Dear friends, Jesus is trying to touch his disciples with the urgency and the importance of salvation and of the message of salvation. That's what this is really about. And he, and he tells them that, uh, that, you know, you don't know when it's going to come. I told you about my friend Lynn Chapel that I studied with at Duke. He, if I had picked a pastor out of that class, he'd have been the one. But he, 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 he thought a lot about the second coming, and I guess I must confess in that period of my life I need to think more about it. But, but he asked me one day, he says, when, when, the, when the sky opens, what if we were sitting here on the chapel steps? He said, was the sky open right now? And the Lord came back. What would happen? I said, 90% of that people in that faculty over there would have to do quick and radical the, theological revision because they don't believe Jesus is coming back, I pointed in that sense. I pointed. But he's coming. He said he was coming. You know, I remind you all the time, the Bible is full of many promises. And if you'll begin to look, that all of them have been kept except one. And this ought to give you confidence that, that this one is going to be kept. The one that, that we are still waiting to see fulfilled is what? 
I'm coming again. And that will be a reality in history, but it is also the reality in people's personal history that he comes for somebody every second. And none of us know if that next second is ours. There's not a person in this room that has assurance that they'll lay down tonight and wake up in this world tomorrow. They may wake up in the presence of God. Well, you will wake up in the presence of God. No may about it. And it'll be a wonderful thing or it'll be a terrible thing. But, but none of us have that assurance. I remember a young man in Ohio that I was desperately and, and working hard to, to get him to change his life and to receive Christ. He loved to party. He loved to drink. He loved to do all those things. And, uh, and, and yet he, he, I just would talk to him and, and he wouldn't listen. You know why? Because he believed that tomorrow was going to be just like today. He believed that. Just like in the Bible says that this is the way people are. It's the way the world is. They think things are going to go on the same today just like they went on yesterday. You know it? What do you think about tomorrow? Well, I think I'll get up tomorrow and it'll be just like every Monday. I'll get up saying, Lord of mercy, Elizabeth, I'm plumb out. And then I'll drink coffee and then I'll come to the office. could be a very false assumption. You know that? And the same is true for every person in this room, and the same is true for every person in the world, you see. Like in the days of Noah, Noah said, I'm building a boat. A boat? They're in a, a place big enough near here to float what you're building. You're building a boat. You're silly. What you're telling us about a flood is silly. We're going to go on about our life. We're going to go on making money. We're going to go on doing whatever you're doing, whatever it is, and, 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 and you just go on and work. We're going to keep marrying. We're going to keep making business. We're going to keep doing all this stuff. And they laughed at the man of God, didn't they? They ignored Noah until. kept falling and falling, falling and falling. But by then it was too late. That's our world today. That's the lives of some friends and family we love dearly. Jesus will come. This young man that I tried to witness to was coming home one night. He rode a motorcycle. He was a bartender, and he'd been partying after hours, and he was coming home one night on, on, on his motorcycle, and, and he came down out of, out of uh, from Chardon, Ohio, through, through Burton, and onto the rural roads that came back to where he lived, near where I lived, and, and, uh, and he never got home. And his parents were, his mother was concerned, and, and his brother was concerned, and, and, everybody, and the sheriff's department, God bless him, was concerned. And they looked and looked, and, and, and it's almost as if he'd vanished off the face of the earth. Until an Amishman went out to walk to his hayfield. And that young man had evidently struck a deer or something, and he came across that hayfield. Uh, 
uh, and didn't make any tracks hardly and he, he his motorcycle fell over and he fell off of it and and they think that he he uh, he uh, probably died from the cold that night you see he thought the next day is going to be just like that day but dearest friends the world is able to deceive you and to fool you understand that it will deceive you it will steer you away sometimes from the most important things to less important things I remind you what Jesus said Jesus says if you gain the whole world and you let lose your soul of what good is it Jesus clearly in this text tells us that that those who are faithful to him and have have received the gospel and serve him and and when he returns in suddenness he'll have a wonderful place for them I don't know when the Lord's going to take me and you don't know when the Lord's going to take you you know you may be healthy as you think you could be And you're not. It only takes a moment for all that to change. It'll be sudden. Whether it's when the Lord returns in fullness or when he returns for you and me and for those people we love, it'll be sudden. You know, the old English prayer book, uh, back when the Church of England was still a church, taught in it, had a prayer, a beautiful prayer. It says, oh, Lord, protect us from sudden death. Lord, Lord, let me live to get ready. That's what was really behind that. Dearest friends, you who know the Lord, rejoice and be glad. Because if you're taken in the next second, it'll be glory. Or if you're yet alive when he returns, it'll be glory. Now, there may be some person here who's not right with the Lord, who really hadn't committed their life. You know, I never make that assumption. Only God knows people's hearts. Gerald Sanders doesn't. But if you're one of those people, you better get right, because this may be the last chance you ever have to get right. And, but, but nonetheless having that understanding that that is the way things are going to be. That it's going to be sudden judgment or sudden glory. I mean, we need to, 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 to realize that. Things are not going to go on forever as they have in the past, in your life or in the life of the world. Politicians are making great promises about our future, Democrat and Republican alike. No man has the power apart from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? No man except those who proclaim the power and salvation of Jesus Christ can promise you a greater future. Because the only great future is in him. So in light of the suddenness, in light of the of the the both the, the glory and the terror of the of the end of our life 
and end of the end of the world. In light of the fact that it is all going to be, you're going to be found in Christ or found outside of Him. In 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 light of the consequences of that situation, what I want to focus on today in my concluding remarks is this: We have an urgent mission. We have an urgent mission. Now, God alone judges, and I, I have not the right to judge, but, but I do know, for example, that, that one of the things I've discovered in, with people that are really in love with the Lord Jesus is that they're really in love with this holy church, too, aren't they? You ever known anybody that, wasn't in, that was truly in love with Jesus and wasn't in love with his holy church? You may think you have, but you don't. Because the Bible says Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You love him, you're going to love what he loves. That's why we love our enemies, because he loves them. You see, I know people in this very room who have loved ones that never darken the door of Christ's holy church. I know that. I got some in my own family. I got friends here in Lakeview. And that is an indication of a deep spiritual need, my friends. People say, oh, I can be a Christian, I go to church. No, you can't. No, you can't. Now, there's some Christians that are deprived of being able to go to church, like those godly men and women in prison in Iran and North Korea and China who would love to go to church, but they're incarcerated because they're a Christian and they can't go. But if you love Christ, you will love the Holy Church. I dare any of you to prove to me by Scripture otherwise. So we look at loved ones. We look at them. I got two precious nephews, very good boys. Very good boys, but but they may talk about Jesus, but I, I can tell Jesus is, is not really the captain of their ship. Oh, they're fine moral boys, but he's not the captain of their ship. And I worry that if if he knocks and their time is done, what will happen? And I love them enough to talk to them about it. And I know they get irritated, Uncle Jerry, sometimes, but I love them. You see, I'm urgent about it. I don't know when their time will be. I don't know if tonight the Lord comes back. And, and I think every one of us could share that. And, and what a tragic thing it is that we don't grasp hold of the urgency of our situation to the point that it moves us to become involved in their life. You know, too often we are like those that have this glorious light of gospel of Christ in their life. And you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, says nobody has, has a candle and puts it under a basket. What I've been teaching Lakeview and talking to you about is, is really the urgent call I'm not interested in building a great big congregation to say I'm the pastor of 850 people in rural North Carolina. I'm not interested in that at all. 
Elizabeth will tell you this morning, I prayed, Lord, send lost sinners to Lakeview. Not wealthy people, not people that can help us, but people that the gospel of Jesus Christ can help. That's what it's about. And if Lakeview doesn't get that, it'll never get it. So who do you know? Who do you know? George Whitfield preached a sermon in Philadelphia. And, you know, this was deist territory. It wasn't real gospel territory. But he preached on the square, and he, and he lifted up the lost children and friends that were going into hell because people there had not warned them. And people became so overwhelmed with grief, they fell over and fainted. Lord God, I wish you would cause us, if we were indifferent, to spreading the gospel to faint, that we might rise up concerned about it. Who do you know? You have an urgent mission. It's so urgent. I've talked to many people one day, afternoon maybe, maybe morning, and the next day they were out of this world. Talked to a good friend in high school. We were all part of that rock and roll good time generation. He got in his car and 40 minutes later was dead. Dear friends, we have loved ones and workers and others that we know very well. And we know in a sense in our heart that if they died tonight, we would have no assurance they would be with us in heaven. Maybe you've got a daughter or a son or a nephew or a cousin or a brother or a sister or, or a co-worker that, that doesn't know that. And if you don't have an urgency in your heart for them, there's something wrong with you. Sometimes the, the Bible tells us that repentance first must begin where? Where does the Bible tell us that repentance must first begin? In the house of God. And I suspect as I close this service today before we sing our last song, I think maybe a lot of us need to do some repenting, don't we? Now let me tell you what the Bible means about repenting. It doesn't telling God you're sorry. It, that word in the Greek is metanoia from, from a, a change. A metamorphosis. Real repentance always involves a metamorphosis. It means that when we truly repent, we're, we're, we're different and our commitments are different after that. Ask today God to pour into your heart a sense of urgency for those that are lost sense of urgency in your life to share Jesus with them and invite them to church. If they live somewhere else, send them to a good church there. If they're in this area, I promise you, as long as I'm pastor here, you're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And that gospel, what was it you said in your song? 
brings healing. Let's just close now with a brief prayer, and then I'll ask Gail to lead us in our last song. Let's pray. Let's come before the Lord now and be honest about our life and be honest about our commitments. And and don't be like the people in the days of Noah, but let's be urgently about the Lord's business. Let's make a commitment today in our hearts that before the all-seeing eye of God, the all-hearing God. Lord, make me a missionary. Let's pray. And the promise of Scripture is sure that those who repent of any sin and cling unto Jesus and his blood will be forgiven. And the promise is also, as Denisha experienced this week, that about his work and his mission, we need not be afraid, for when the time comes to speak, he will fill our mouth. O Lord, make this a soul-winning church. To your glory, that those who are lost be brought in.